0: We're continuing on our, our series on parables, and today we're gonna to be looking uh, at, at a shorter one, and we're gonna be uh, gleaning some things that uh, have to do with God's challenge for us to be light in the world around us. So I wanna jump right into Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. Jesus said, you are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill Cannot be hidden, you know. When I walk into a room and I flip the light switch, I expect the bulbs to turn on. You know, uh, I, I have a particular bulb down uh, in my desk area. Uh, the, the, I guess the lamp is a little bit uh, on the fritz. I guess you could say, and, and sometimes it'll flash. Sometimes it won't turn on, and just a little tap, and then and then it will turn on. You know, uh, but. We get to see better because things are illuminated when the light goes on. Uh, God expects the same for us we're his his light bulbs uh, we are his lighthouses, you know maybe a modern picture of of a flashlight you know we're we're uh, his instruments for bringing light to the world around us. Let's look at the, the parable that we'll look at here this morning in its entirety. Let's go back to verse 14. We'll read this. That was the New King James I just looked at. Let's go to the NIV and let's read out to verse 16. It says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, before I get too much further in this, I did wanna give a plug uh, for a couple of Wednesdays ago, Pastor Ralph had shared a Wednesday night message on the Shekinah, you know, the glory of God and uh, talked about us being light bearers. And there's a whole side uh, to being a light for the Lord that he got into that we won't have time to get into today. But I just wanna encourage you, if you're interested, you'll be really glad if you hear this morning and then go back and hear that, you'll really hear like a full picture uh, on this idea of, you know, the Lord has called us to be light for Him. But this morning, I just want to look at two thoughts from this parable and then just get very, very practical on how can we, practically speaking, grow and develop our being light for Him. So first, two key thoughts from this parable. Number one, we are the vessels that God uses to display His light to the world, You know, God's plan for the world, getting to see who Christ is, what he's done, why he came, the hope that we have in him, God's plan is for that to be communicated through us. And so we are to display his light, but in in that point, I want you to really just chew on for a second that word vessel. You know the good news is, you, you know, when when you know that lamp that I mentioned uh, in my house that kind of gives a fuss sometimes, it's not the most uh, perfect lamp. Let's put it that way. Uh, but when I go downstairs, I'm not really interested as much on the perfections in that lamp as I am in the light going on so that I can see what I'm doing. Can you say amen? How many know there's encouragement for us in that? The calling from the Lord is thou shalt be perfect so that when people see you, they marvel, right? Instead he said, nope, you are a vessel that carries my light. Our job is for people to just see him burning right? It takes some of the pressure off. It's, you know, we're, we're all works in progress. None of us are finished yet. Come on, can you say amen? We're, we're still growing. We're still learning. Uh, imperfections and all, uh, ha- That we still have this great opportunity to share light. With that being said and done though, you know, if we cooperate our lives the best we know how, by living how he called us to live and then we bear that light to others in the world around us, man, that's really, it's gonna shine real bright for him. I uh, that, that same area where where in my office where I, I've got this lamp that kind of flickers back and forth, it was still a little dim down there, so I got some of these little, uh, they look like hockey pucks, you know, where you can literally peel and stick. I'm not the most handy guy in the world, so anything beyond that, probably spells disaster, but I thought I can, I can peel a sticker and I can put these things up and, and you know, I, I clicked these little lights on and I was amazed. They really, really brightened things up for a while, but man, when I say a while, it was a short while. <laughs> and all of a sudden they got super dim and, you know, they have batteries on the inside and I'm like, I, I know now why these were so cheap, you, you know, kind of a thing. And my whole point is, you know, we can be a dim light for the Lord or we could be a really bright light for the Lord. You know, and part of that comes into, Lord, I want to cooperate my life with you. But, but the whole point I'm trying to make here, cooperating with Him isn't um, being anything other than who God called and wired you to be and then just living on purpose for Him. Right? We don't have to be perfect. We don't have to be this. We don't have to be that. Just be true to how God fashioned us uh, and, and we are a vessel to display His light. Now, it says this in John eight twelve. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So understand, Jesus says to us, you are the light of the world, but he says that in the context, he is the light of the world. So he is the light, and because we carry his light, we get to be uh, his light, the light of the world. In Matthew 5.14, going back, looking at this in the New Living Translation, he says, You are the light of the world like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. Yeah, amen. In in the, the Living Bible, he says, You are the world's light, a city on a hill glowing in the night for all to see. So what's pretty neat, Jesus in the context when he's sharing this with those that are hearing it, uh, you, you know, often cities would be built of white limestone ancient towns, they would gleam in the sunlight, and they would not be easily hidden during the day, just for how much they would shine during the day. And then at night, the inhabitants uh, would have oil lamps, and those uh, lights in their house, those oil lamps, would uh, have a glow throughout that city that would just be visible uh, all around for people to see. So such cities could not be hidden. uh, And and then it goes on to say, you, you know, in this parable, and certainly, when we uh, have a light, when we light a lamp, when we turn on a flashlight, whatever it is, uh, we wouldn't hide it under a bowl because its purpose is to be seen. And so, you know, he's trying to get a point here across to believers, you know, to, to get this picture in mind that that we have this huge opportunity before us and that we have to be aware of it. Be aware of the fact that Jesus, as the light of the world, is saying, I'm working through you. And so make sure you know that and that you don't hide it. These lamps uh, that that would light in in the city, uh, it was a small clay dish filled with oil and a wick that would give it light. And again, disciples are like that lamp. You know, there's another uh, verse, I didn't put it in our, our notes here for today, but it says, we are earthen vessels that he has put treasure in earthen vessels his treasure on the inside of us. So uh, we're to be revealers of light and truth. Uh, This lamp was in every home in Israel and of necessity, it was given prominence in its place. Now, we've been saying for these last couple of months in this year that uh, sort of like our theme, our overarching theme for the year is to live with purpose and to live on purpose. And so I want you to understand as we hear this, this message here today, Think about it from the perspective of, okay, so high up on the Lord's priority list is that His people are light to the world around them, amen? And, and so in light of that, then, then it opens for us when we look at this, this second section that we'll look at, so how do I prioritize that? How do I steward that? How do I grow that light in my life? Okay, so our first point was to understand that we are vessels to be on display. The second thought here is that our lives are to be an influence for the world around us toward Christ. So not only are we to display, but that display in fact is to be influence for the world around us. Philippians 2 verses 14 and 15 says, do everything without complaining and arguing. How many know right off the bat that one will shine some light in the world around us, right? There's no shortage of complaining and arguing. And it it says, do this so that you you won't complain and argue, so no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. I I love uh, our, our parable in The Message. Listen, listen to some of the things that get brought out from the message version. Version here. Uh, here's another way to put it. You're here to be light. Bring out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make if I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. And now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God. There's that influence, right? This generous Father in heaven. And then let's look at 1 Peter 2, 9. He says, but you are a chosen people. Just want to let that soak in a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So Jesus' disciples uh, carry his authority. You know, this picture of being salt and light, we see it in the Great Commission, don't we? You know, where Jesus uh, says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to, to every person, to all creation, uh, and, and, and Jesus starts that commission off by saying, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore, go and preach to all creation. So, so what is Jesus really saying? Jesus is saying, all authority and power on heaven and earth has been given to him, therefore, go in that authority and preach and share and be his light. So we have authority, we have His authority, we're His chosen special people, a holy nation, we're a priesthood, we're a royal priesthood. And uh, if we live for Christ, then we will have influence, and that influence will shine forth like the light on top of a lampstand or like a city on a hill, and it should glow to show others what Christ is like so that God will receive the glory for all that's good in our lives. Can you say amen? Amen. amen. Bless the Lord. You know, what is the opposite of this? You, you know, it would be to become quiet when we should speak. Uh, just finding it easier to go along with the crowd, ignoring the needs of others, uh, becoming so wrapped up in our own lives that we pull the curtain and shut the lights off. But we are that vessel for the indwelling Spirit of God. We're to be that light. Such an interesting picture, you know, this lamp that's shining is filled with oil. And we know that Scripture tells us that oil is a type of the Holy Spirit. And so here we are, born again, born of God with Holy Spirit living on the inside, and then out of that, that light of who He is shines and burns through us, through how we live, through what we say, through our mountaintops, through the valleys, and through every place in between. So how do we walk in a growing influence? That's what we're gonna spend the remainder of our time looking at uh, in our call to lead others. So if we wanna live on purpose, we wanna live intentionally in this next year, we're vessels to carry His light and uh, uh, be on display for Him, these are going to be some intensely practical things uh, that will really, really make a difference in our shining for Him uh, in in our day-to-day lives. All right, so let's look at the first one. Number one, when we talk about growing influence, growing light, always start with yourself. Amen? Amen? Always start with yourself. Isn't it so much easier to figure out what's wrong with everybody else? So much easier to be like, here's what you need to, you know. Philippians 2, uh, 12 to 15 again, uh, but in a different translation. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. See, here we have this picture, right? We don't do the work of bearing fruit. It's the Lord who does the work in our lives, right? We can't make ourselves saved, right? That's the whole gospel message. We can't save ourselves, right? But Uh, As God does the work in our lives and He lives on the inside, we have an opportunity to cooperate with Him. So He does the work, but we're to work out our salvation. What does it mean by with fear and trembling? That means with great awe and reverence and sobriety and respect for Him so that He can work uh, His life out into our lives. Where we can say, it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. In verse 13 here in Philippians, it goes on to say, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. So we wanna work on ourselves first. If if, if we're gonna be a lamp on display and we just wanna see that lamp shine brighter and brighter, we gotta start with us, right? Matthew 7, verses two to four says, For For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. Somebody say mercy. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no, no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? Another translation that says a beam, it's just a very clear graphic picture, right? So we want to start working on us first, you know, my own walk, that's what we're responsible for before, you know, before the Lord, when we stand before Him, we won't give account for other people's decisions, we'll give account for our lives, right? So, so it makes sense we start with us. And with that, then number two, we want to work on inward character, when we talk about start with ourselves, we're saying we want to start inward. Proverbs 27, 19 says, as in water, face reflects face, so the heart of a man reflects the man. And 1 Samuel, this is you know the spot where God sends Samuel to anoint one of Jesse's sons to be king. You know, and Samuel's got the picture, you know, must be this one, it must be this one, and all the way through. And and here, let's look in verse 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And it was David who was anointed. And uh, we know Scripture tells us David was a man after God's own heart. So the first step to being a light or an influence in the kingdom is to have a heart after God. Right, living on purpose, living with first things first in our lives is to make sure that we have a heart after Him and that it's an inside job working its way outward. All right, so far so good, amen? Amen. All right, number three, choose to live for others. So, you know, Jesus modeled this, right? I mean, he's, He's God Almighty. He has left the right hand of the Father and come to earth and he had every right to demand respect. And, and instead he chose to walk out showing the world that he was the light of the world and let that light influence others to follow him. He has the name above every name. He could have just demanded every knee bow now and poof, it would have been done but instead he let his influence and his love draw them to want to come and bow their knee. Amen? So so in choosing to live for others, this was modeled by our Lord. Uh, Matthew 28, uh, 20, 28, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And, and you know, that that's a picture at... at our church here, when we talk about leadership in whatever capacity, we acknowledge our leadership is servant leadership. It's not leadership as the world has, that, you know, the more leadership you get, the more cushy it is, and the more rights you get, and the more privileges you get. Actually, in the kingdom of God, how many know that's flipped upside down? Right? The, 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 the more that you're given, uh, the, the tougher it is, the more prices that you're paying, the less rights that you have. Come on, can somebody say amen? Right? To choose leadership in the kingdom of God is to choose servanthood and is to choose to surrender. We have uh, one of our core values uh, for our, our culture here is servanthood. And it says that we will go to heroic lengths to serve people. And we miss it sometimes, but that's the goal. That's the target that we're aiming at. Uh, you know, so this picture of, of serving others and living for others in a world that tells us live for you. We want to live for others. Matthew 23, 12 says, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So, hey, I just want to pause here for a minute. If, if you look at what we're talking about so far, I don't want you to think I'm contradicting myself because I started off saying, start with you. Don't worry about the beam in the other person's eye, right? Start with you. And now I just got done saying, live for others. You know, so, so you know, it might bring up the question on, okay, so so which is it? And the answer is yes, right? And I, I would say that that we as human beings, we can get in a ditch on each side of the road here, you know? So yes, we have to start with ourselves, not because we are selfish and self-centered, but because... Our walk with God, we need oil in the lamp in order for that light to glow. And how does that oil get in the lamp? We have to get with the Lord. We minister to others, we walk with God, and our love for others is to pour out of our own walk and devotion to Him. Amen? When we remember that, that'll breathe breathe life into prayer time, Bible time, devotion time, things that might seem mundane in the natural when we realize these are things that are putting oil in the lamp. These are things that are keeping our heart connected to the Lord. Come on, can you say amen? Right, you, you know, so, so we start with us, you, you, you know, there's, there's a Picture that's used often, uh, you know, they'll, they'll say whenever you're on an airplane in the, in the safety briefing, you know, in case of a loss of cabin pressure, uh, put the mask on yourself first. And they tell you that because every mom on that plane, if there's a loss in cabin pressure, is not gonna be thinking about mom, she's gonna be thinking about getting that mask on her child. But the problem is with loss of cabin pressure, if mom passes out, now two people have a problem, mom and her child. See, I can remember early on in ministry, I had a, a mentor say to me, the way you're living your life, the way you're prioritizing your life, you're becoming the starving baker. And I said, what does that mean, starving baker? You know, and they said, well, you're, you're serving bread to others, but you're not eating bread yourself first. And so you're starving away as you're ministering to others and serving others. You have to feed yourself so out of that overflow, then you could go and feed others, right? So, so in a ditch on one side or the other, we can get to this place on one side of, uh, I'm gonna care about others and it's wrong for me to prioritize my walk with God because I need to be selfless, that's a ditch. On the other side, we can get in a ditch and say, I need to serve me because it's all about me and I'm Mr. and Mrs. Wonderful right? Somewhere uh, between those two, we need to understand no, but out of my own personal devotion and walk with Him as I feed me, then I catch His heart, which is to love others, and then I pour out to others. And in that place, I keep filling up the lamp. I keep filling up the gas tank. Amen. Amen. So, you you know, the, the world's method is to lower others in order to raise your own standard. You know, uh, step over somebody else to climb up the ladder. You know, this picture of love for others recognizes that in the world economy, there's a scarcity mindset. There's not enough for everybody, so I better step over you to get what I want. But in God's kingdom, God is the God of abundance. And so we realize there's no scarcity. We don't ever have to be threatened by pouring our lives out and pouring into the lives of others. As long as we are making sure that that relationship is being fed and we're anchored and out of that we're ministering, then really all we're doing is investing in others. And how many know God said he would never be a debtor to any person? right? As we sow, as we give ourselves away. So, you know, there's a a scarcity mindset in our world and you want to know what? There's a poverty mindset that has slipped into the church that there's not enough, you know, but instead it's not, Lord, all I have is yours. I'm going to surrender to you and trust you. And in my pouring out to others, Lord, you're going to make sure whatever I have need of is going to be met in my life. Can you say amen? All right, so in these first three, we see, you know, kind of working back and forth between the two. Let's go to number four here. Uh, You you know, this is growing our light. Never quit, but be constantly adjusting. So I have this on here because, you know, the enemy, his top strategies are to lie to us. And when, you, you know, we trip, we stumble, we sin, we shipwreck a little bit. The wagon wheels fall off the wagon, however we want to put it. We fall off the wagon, whatever it looks like. The enemy wants to say, see, I told you, you're not enough, you couldn't do it, you're not gonna make it. But how many know he's a liar? right? That, that's, that's, you know, not the answer. And he's the one who brings discouragement. He's the one who, who wants to, in whatever way, keep us uh, put down by uh, whatever would be a setback or a backsliding or a failure, however we, we want to put it. But Proverbs twenty four sixteen: for though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. Amen. You know, I heard Pastor James, uh, he said this somewhere in the last couple of weeks, and then I just recently heard somebody say in a podcast, so I heard it a couple of different times. He said, you know, I'm never down. I'm either up or I'm getting up. Isn't that good? You know, that, that's what Proverbs is saying here. You know, we, we uh, there is going to be no perfectly walking through life. You know, and remember the enemy is the accuser. You know, he's the one who brings condemnation the voice of the Lord is to convict and to make whole and to help us climb higher, right? And, and you, you know, in, in, the, in the secular world, they've got this figured out. Well, I should say the people who, uh, the people who where the cream rises to the surface, they've realized that we can't let failure or not getting it or uh, blowing it, however you wanna put it, you can't let it set you back from continuing to run the race that God has called you to. You know, they they realize that stepping stones to success in the world is through doing it wrong, right? I mean, think about it. Think about when a a, a toddler, what if we took the worldview of a toddler and said, that's the way we're gonna live the rest of our lives? Oh, mercy, right? But why don't we do that? Because we continue to learn and grow. And some of that is by trying things where we say, I know not to do that again. You know, we're trying things and saying, that didn't clearly work. So whether it's that or we just say, like Paul, man, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I do. Ah, who's going to deliver me? Well, thanks be to God in Jesus Christ. He is delivering us. He's changing us. He's growing us to look more and more like Him. But here's the picture At, at what never, never, never quit, if we just make the decision, no matter what, I'm never gonna quit. You know, it goes back, I, I, I love the story of Thomas Edison, uh, over 900 failed attempts at making the light bulb. And interesting, when he was interviewed about it, you know, it was like, well, how do you, how do you just live with so much failure? You know, his response was, I wasn't aware of any failure. Well, 900 times and you failed to make the light bulb. He said, no, no, no. So there's nothing failure about that. I learned 900 ways to not make a light bulb. And now I'm 900 ways closer to making a light bulb. Right, what a a great mindset. I'm never down, I'm either up or I'm getting up. Right, and and in the Lord, He is here. He's a good Father to pick us up, to dust us off and keep us running after Him. All right, number five, realize that your actions influence more lives than just your own. And, and, And so I tell you, this one, if if this is something that we will make a part of our lens through which we just see the world all around us it'll be such a built-in accountability factor for what we say and what we do and for what we do with what we think right to realize that our actions influence more lives uh than those just around you. you you know have you ever noticed whether you know driving on 70 or the parkway Route 37, have you ever been just driving very relaxed in the right lane, just doing your thing, and somebody aggressively moves around you, you know, and there's other cars on the road, isn't it fascinating, isn't it such a, like an incredible study of of, of influence, right, what'll happen when somebody gets real aggressive, you know, I, I had somebody, you um, that, that uh, what was coming up behind me just the other day and, and I, was, I was looking to veer onto the road out of the circle and I thought, you know, I just, something on the inside, just let him go, you know? And so, so let him zip on past and then he was just tailing the car. My wife was with me in the car and I, I remember saying, I'm so glad I let this guy know. Because now the other guy's got to deal with this guy on his bumper, and and uh, and and not me, you know. But have you seen it where all of a sudden, you know, two guys are pulling this nonsense on the road, and now car number three and four get swept up into it, and now there's a pack of cars driving crazy because somebody influenced other people in that situation. It's it's incredible to recognize whether we like it or not when there's anybody else with us, we're on display for the Lord and there's opportunity for influence. Whether we're good stewards of it or whether we look and say, I probably could have done a better job with my influence. But it's a gift that's been given into our hands, right? And Philippians 3.17 says, join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. So when we realize people watch and imitate us more than we'll ever realize, man, that that'll really, really be such a a healthy accountability for our lives. All right, last two. Uh, Number six, let your confidence be in God, not in your own talents or abilities. And isn't that so great? The Lord told us it's not by might, not by power, it's by His Spirit. Right, He'll work through our gifts, but sometimes He'll work through our weaknesses as well. Come on, have you ever seen God do that in your life? In our, you know, in our weakness, He is made strong. What, what, What a beautiful picture. So our confidence, especially when it comes to, you know, the righteous may fall seven times, but they'll get up every time. We can get up knowing He's our confidence, He's our hope, He's our salvation. He's the one who's gonna bring us through. It's not my might, it's not my power. Yeah, I can do all things through Christ, my confidence is the through Christ, and because of Him, I can do anything that He has set me out to do. And I love uh, in Philippians three it says, "Those who put no confidence in the flesh." Goes on to Philippians four thirteen. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So man, we could look at the life of David. Where did he get the guts to stand up against Goliath? I know we had that as a message a, a few weeks back. He did what. The rest of the Israelite army and the king couldn't do. He went out and he said, I'll take down this, this adversary warrior that has everybody else shaking in their boots. And his confidence was so in the Lord, he knew he couldn't lose because he knew who God was. Amen, amen. All right, the last one here, know your values and convictions and be anchored to them. So when we look at growing our influence, because, you know, our influence happens when we're on the mountaintop, Right, because people want to figure out what got you on the mountaintop and, and how can I get on the mountaintop. You know, but, but I, I think our greatest influence a lot of times is when we're in the valley and people see the Lord in us and what he's, what he's doing in our lives when we're in the valley. Come on, can you say amen? You know, so what I'm saying is when the valley the storm and the test and the trial come, that's not the time where we wanna stop and figure out what do I believe and what do I value. We'll get off course. Will will respond in ways that we wouldn't want to respond if we don't know our values and our convictions and if we're not anchored in them. And I'm so grateful. I look back in my life as a pastor. I remember early on uh, being encouraged, you know, ministry, there'll be a lot of needs and there'll be uh, just more to do than there's time to do. So I was being instructed. So make sure that you live on purpose, that the right things get done and that you prioritize your life and know what's important. I I can remember saying to one mentor uh, even, you know, how do I get to the point as a leader where I don't let anybody down? You know, and they looked at me and they thought, I I forget exactly how they worded it, but they said like, silly boy, (laughs) what you seek is impossible it's impossible to not let folks down. So first of all, change your thinking. Said now from that point, you have to ferociously start engaging priorities in your life. If there's, if there's not enough time to do everything that you gotta do, who's number one? The Lord. All right, and how are you gonna make sure that He stays number one in your life? When people ask, what, 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 are, what are your values? Value number one is my relationship with the Lord you know, and keeping that anchored in my life. And I have all different ways uh, for guardrails and accountability and, and to make sure that's prioritized. And then comes my family and so forth. And, you know, so for me as a pastor, what makes me an effective pastor is compassion and a desire to serve. But if I don't have my values and my priorities anchored down, uh, I'm going to lose my way. Come on, can you say Amen. You know, some people will call that, then it it doesn't move into something that God is using with anointing, then I've moved into the disease to please. And that's not gonna help anybody, amen? So it's so important when the storm comes, and I just wanna remind us, remember there's always two agendas uh, that are working for our lives. There's the enemy's agenda, he wants to steal, kill, and destroy, and there's God's agenda, where he wants us to have life and life to the fullest and he wants to grow us to look more like Jesus. Amen. Victory. So, you, you know, I've been really getting a kick out that, you know, some of these uh, videos on YouTube of people fossil finding, I think I referred to this either Wednesday or, or the previous Sunday, but, you know, somebody will walk up to and I'm like, that's just a rock. It's just a rock but somehow they know that it's not just a rock and they crack it open and there's these incredible fossils on the inside. And I wanna say, how did they know that? Or, you know, they walk over and they crack it open and there's all these beautiful, you know, like it's shining crystally, you know, and I'm like, boy, that, that, you'd have no idea that's what's on the inside if you didn't know what to look for. You know, but uh, it's the Lord who knows and he he puts uh, his earthen treasure in us as vessels. And we have to make sure that we live in a way where what he put on the inside uh, is able to come on the outside, right? We don't see sometimes what he placed in there, but he's at work uh, bringing those things to pass if we recognize that's what he's doing. So, you, you know, two agendas for our life, Where I was going with that last thing is, you know, a piece of coal, we may just see coal and we might see limited use for that coal, like, hey, you can burn it and heat a house and that's all well and good. We could stay a lump of coal or we could let God do what he does, but it does require pressure. And on the other side, he's made a diamond. And really what God sees is you're already a diamond. I've created you to be a diamond. Now let me work my work out in your life. But if we're not anchored to what's most important, what's priority, what's of value, then when the storm or the squeeze comes, we're going to run away from the heat and the pressure rather than let God do what He wants to do. Amen? So He always has victory on the other side of the storm, but He doesn't in any way ever guarantee that we're not going to go through the storm. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, so with that, I want to just wrap, you know, and, and, and scripturally, you know, we look in the book of Daniel, we can see Daniel himself, we can see the three Hebrew children, you know, they were anchored in their values. So when the, uh, the laws of the land changed, and now they have to bow down and worship an idol, the three Hebrew children, uh, they're anchored in their values. They're told they can't pray to anybody else. But they decide, we'll keep praying. We'll keep doing it. We're not bowing down to anybody else. For Daniel, it was stop praying. For the Hebrew children, it was bow down to the idol. And in both cases, they said, no, God is number one. And we're anchored to that priority in our lives. So you know what? Do what you got to do. But we're going to trust in the Lord. And in both of those situations, God delivered them. But they, they had the attitude. They, they were able to, out of this, have an even-if faith. How many know what even if faith is? Right? It was the Hebrew children. Our God is able to deliver us from this furnace. But even if he doesn't, we're not bowing down. We're not compromising. We're not moving away. So in closing a story here, there was a a Hindu trader in India. And he once asked a missionary, what do you put on your face to make it shine? With surprise, the man of God answered, I don't put anything on it. And the questioner began to lose patience and said emphatically, yes, you do. All of you who believe in Jesus seem to have it. I've seen it in the towns, and he listed all these towns, even the city of Bombay. Suddenly the Christian understood, and his face glowed even more as he said, now I know what you mean. I'll tell you the secret. It's not something we put on from the outside, but something that comes from within. It's that lamp that's burning on the inside. How many of you have ever had somebody tell you, ah, oh, what, There's something in your countenance. You know, and if, you're, if it's a grumpy person, they'll say to you, why are you happy all the time? <laughs> why does nothing bother you? You know, now, now granted, as believers, of course we have our battles, right? But what does that look like in the valley? How are you still standing with what you're going through in the natural? I want to encourage you, church, you're glowing. You're glowing for the Lord. When somebody says, you were given such a scary thing here, how come, you're, how come it seems like you don't have a care in the world? It's because the Prince of Peace lives in my heart. Amen. Yeah, there may be battles. Yep, I fight the good fight of faith, but that's, that's his, his light shining out of us. Amen? Maybe imperfect. We might, you know, find ourselves falling flat on our face we get back up and we keep going after Him. So I wanna encourage folks here today, that this is not about I have to get to a point where I'm worthy enough to carry the light. This is when I surrender my life to Him, He moves in my heart and He lights Himself up. That light of the world becomes a light on the inside of me. And now, now I live my life more and more getting the stuff out of the way so that they can see his light in me, right? So I said earlier, you know, his, his light is there and it's not about what, you, you know, our perfections. Yet on the flip side, man, if I'll extravagantly obey his word, if I'll hunger and thirst for him, you know, I'll be living in a way where now just more and more of that light that's on the inside gets to make its way out, amen? Hey, would you stand with me? Let's pray as we close. Bless you, Lord. And you'll see in our next steps, there's a couple of places where, you know, you can reflect. There's a verse to memorize just to keep reflecting on this. And then you're invited just to look at these seven things that we went over and just simply, you know, if you were to say, hey, if there was one or two of these that God's putting his finger on, that would most benefit me to see his light grow in my life, What would they be and how can I start embracing those things? You know, some of these things are mindset things, aren't they? You know, how powerful would it be for us to keep on the radar all the time? What I do affects people around me. What I do affects those around me. Those that know me best to strangers I pass on the road or in the store or wherever else, right? Amen. Amen. So, Father, as we close here today, Lord, we just thank you so much. As Pastor Nate talked about this partnership, this privilege that we have to see your kingdom advance. Lord, how humbling, how inspiring to recognize that the purpose of our life not only includes, but is founded in being, being a part of your plan. Lord, being the plan to take what was done on the cross and bringing it to the world around us. And so just around this room, watching online, listening here this morning, God, we just say that we bow the knee of our heart to you. Lord, maybe some for the first time saying, Jesus, I need you to be Lord of my life. Move into my heart, forgive my sin. Or maybe some of us just reaffirming, recommitting, Jesus, you are Lord of our lives. You rule and you reign in this vessel. Lord, take these things that we looked at here, this, this commission, this call to be a city on a hill, to be light to the world around us. And Lord, we're just asking you to burn away all that's not of you, all that gets in the way. Lord, as we've gone practical again today and looked at seven different areas and how we'll live in the day-to-day, Lord, take each of us personally by the hand. Show us how you want us to walk out what we heard today. I Just wanna pause there for, for a minute. Holy Spirit, just speak to our hearts. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And just for anybody who would want to say, fill me with fresh oil for the lamp this morning, just want you to just a posture that says, Lord, I'm receiving. And Holy Spirit, we pray, fill us to overflow where the lamps have gotten down to the bottom of the barrel holy spirit fill your people this morning to overflow that that candle would burn bright wherever we have hidden it under a bucket lord we say by faith that bucket comes off today we want to live for you be light for you we want to be a city on a hill and lord you told us in your word there'd be those that love the darkness So even in the face of opposition, even in the face of persecution, whatever it would look like, Lord, that we would shine bright for you, anchored in who you are, anchored in those values in our lives that come from heaven. So we commit ourselves to you. Thank you, Lord, that as as we go from this place, you're filling us and you're speaking to us and you're leading us forward. God, all of this we pray in Jesus' mighty name.